And you see forward-thinking companies that are thinking more and more in terms of initiatives and outcomes. And therefore, they ask themselves the most important question, which is, what are the right teams to accomplish those outcomes? And when you start thinking that way, the framework of internal versus external doesn't really apply anymore. The question is, do you have the right team for the job, yes or no? And that basically brings power to teams that are empowered to own a particular objective that has in itself an ROI. That means that the teams are cross-functional, could have the right skill set from design, marketing, product development, product management, et cetera, in order to deliver on an outcome. That means that budgeting outcomes become much easier, tracking the efficiency becomes much easier. And that's where we come in. That's where we can really plug into that framework. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Boundaryless Conversations podcast, uh, where, where we meet with pioneers, thinkers, doers, and entrepreneurs, and we speak about the future of business models, uh, organizations, markets, and society in this rapidly changing world. I'm Simone Cicero, and today I am uh, not joined by my usual co-host, Tina, instead uh, by another co-host that you already met in the podcast, who is our 3EO Micro Enterprise Lead and Partner at Boundaryless, Emanuele Quintarelli. Hello, Emanuele. Good morning. Very happy to be here. Today, we're also joined by Rafael Uzan. Rafael is a technologist, entrepreneur, investor. He previously co-founded uh, Billguard or Block Nation, and he was also involved in some not-for-profit initiatives for global tech upskilling. Most of all, we have Rafael with us today because uh, he is the founder and CEO of A-Team, the world's first uh, team formation platform, uh, enabling companies to form, manage, and scale uh, what Rafael calls uh, cloud-based teams. Today, we are going to talk about Rafael's thesis on teams and organizations. Hello, Rafael. It's great to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm... Uh... I've been a fan of everything you wrote so far, so I'm, in, I'm, I'm excited to dig in into some of the underlying dynamics in this incredible transformation of how we organize ourselves as, as people and, and as we do work together. So let's jump into the conversation. And I think, you know, we are due uh, for um, an initial overview question to open the conversation that is really about giving you the space to describe a bit uh, the basic elements of your thesis, what led you to create uh, a team and what's uh, leading also your investors to invest. Uh, if I'm not wrong, the last round was around 50 million, if I'm not wrong. So uh, investing so much money into developing uh, the vision of cloud-based teams. So what, what led you there and, and what you see uh, as uh, massively important for our listeners to share as a basis for our conversation? To me, it comes from a very personal place. And I think that's something that we've all experienced in one way or the other, which is the desire to have the freedom to use our skills to work on problems that we personally care about. Because today we're in a, an economy, we're in a world where actually caring about what you do is what drive exponential results. Small problems don't really need to be solved. They, they are solved at scale. They're, they're solved with machines. What's left for us to do is solving bigger problems. And I think like a lot of us, we, we're, we're thinking about, we're yearning for the freedom to work on problems and, and, and solutions that we care about and with people that we actually want to work with. And that realization is something that came for me in the form of uh, kind of growing up accessing programming and coding and computers for the first time. I was a teenager in France. I discovered that you could do things with those machines and you could essentially have the ability to change the world around us, to have an impact, to bring ideas to fruition using technology. And that was actually a pretty easy way, relatively easy way compared to the other ways of building things. Like as a kid, you can't exactly build a building or a bridge, but you can code a little piece of software that made me realize that that is what I want to be doing. And the beautiful thing, you know, getting more into the, that tech world uh, at first in ways of uh, freelancing, you know, internet was becoming a thing. Everybody was kind of getting excited about this. I was a computer kid around, so I would get a bunch of projects and I would freelance for a bunch of companies, SMBs in, in particular, and kind of emerging startups. What was 
very interesting is that they, they, it felt somewhat like a meritocracy. Like the best ideas would really get traction. And if you could build things, people would join you and, and team up with you and do things with you. Unfortunately, uh, I realized that doing this by yourself doesn't get you so f- that, uh, that far. So at the time, you know, working in the cloud was not exactly a thing. So I had to move. I ended up in Israel. Then I went to, to the military in Israel for five years being tasked with things that otherwise would feel impossible if it wasn't for the teams that were built and designed around us. So when I left the military, I realized that I knew what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be able to work on problems that matter to me with people I want to work with. At the time, it, it came in the form of building startups. But many years later, I realized that that insight, that people wanted to be able to not be stuck in rigid structures, but actually work on problems that matter to them with people they want to work with is something that we all want. And therefore, we ask ourselves the question, could we enable the formation of highly skilled, high-performing, highly motivated teams of people that choose to work together on a particular problem? Can we enable that to happen online? And with that, the idea of cloud-based teams emerged. What we found is that it immediately, found, uh, it immediately saw significant traction from some of the most highly skilled product builders out there, product managers, designers, engineers, data scientists, growth marketers, that felt stuck in jobs that they like but they don't love, or they felt like they were not fulfilling to them and they would want to pursue their craft with autonomy. Now, there was this thing called gig economy or online work that's been going on for quite a while and has been quite significant. But when you think about the platforms out there from Uber to Fiverr and Upwork, they're great platforms, but they're very much capped at simple tasks. That's not exactly where you go if you are looking for self-actualization from a professional standpoint. And we felt that the solution was in teams because the problems we're solving require a set of diversity of background expertise and skills and motivation to come together in a somewhat efficient way. And I think we all know that in the creative world, in the knowledge economy, the core unit of work is actually of teams, but, it, but teams for some reason had never been productized, particularly not in the world of online work. And that's what we set out to do. And we found that that was immediately very attractive to very highly skilled people, but also that that enabled to establish a building block that enables companies to innovate and scale and move further, faster in a more cost-efficient way that we need to kind of level the playing field and enable companies to build what's next. If I can complement this question, asking you more practically also uh, how uh, a team uh, works. So from a perspective of business model and uh, product model, can you maybe clarify a bit uh, what a team uh, is about? Yeah, I think for anyone who's listening, who's formed or assembled a team would know this is a very lengthy, time-consuming, challenging process. You have to figure out the right people, you have to get their buy-in, you have to bring together different people with different skill sets, you have to make sure they work well together. If you made a mistake, it's hard to change. It takes a while and it's full of friction. And what we're trying to do is making it as simple as possible. So the way it works is this. This is a members-only network. So companies have to request access will be invited by one of the members of the network or the investors that we work with that provide access to the portfolio companies. And as they come in, they speak to our team advisors that use the platform in a self-serve fashion, where the first step is to essentially uh, set up a mission, meaning an outcome that you're trying to drive towards. It could be a strategic initiative you're currently working on, or it could be something that you'd like to spin up. By using our tools, you can set up a team spec, essentially the composition of the roles uh, that, make, that would make up the dream team to ex- execute on this particular initiative. So it could be a you know, product manager with that type of experience, a designer with this type of experience, developers, data science, whatever it may be. We have templates for basically every industry, whether you're in fintech, you're in crypto, you're in e-commerce, you're in uh, healthcare. And once that's set up, and that typically takes um, uh, very little time, we also have a, a team of, of team advisors that are experts in team compositions that can help you understand where are the gaps and where you could either expand on existing teams or create new teams. The team spec goes through the platform, uses something called the team graph that captures who works well with whom on what within the curated and vetted network of A-teamers and identifies the ideal cluster of people that would make the best team for the particular challenge. Then you get a proposal that shows you, hey, this is the best team for the job and here's why. Here are the people, what they've built, what they've done, how well they can work together, but also why they're excited to work with you on this particular problem. And each member hourly rate that they set themselves. So you can interview as a team or separately, and it's easy to get started. 
The platform handles everything from payment and tracking and expansion of the team, scaling up and down as the need uh, evolve. And the, the A-teamers integrate directly with your workflows, whether it's Slack, GitHub, et cetera. And you see more and more companies having many A-teams that are empowering pretty much every one of their strategic initiatives, enabling them to build uh, better, faster than ever in a way that's cost-efficient and manage their teams in a very easy way. The payment, compliance, and everything in the backend is automated and set up in a very easy way so that whether you have two A-teamers or hundreds, you get a, a one consolidated bill, you pay to one place, and A-team does the disbursement all over the world to the relevant people. In terms of the network, this is a highly vetted network that is by design hard to get into. The easiest way to get into A-team is for someone who's worked with you before access to you. Then there's an application process in multiple levels. Today, there are about 7,000 vetted, highly skilled product builders across different disciplines, across many industries. People that have left many of the tech giants or different tech companies because they wanted to pursue a craft with autonomy and work on really interesting things. Today, if you're part of A-Team, you, you're, you can work on things from the software that manufactures the COVID-19 vaccine to the next crypto innovation, to working with incumbents to enable them to become themselves tech companies pretty much overnight. It's kind of a dream and utopia for builders. And that's what we're trying to build. In terms of business model, it's very simple. There's basically a marketplace fee and uh, that we collect on top of the hourly rate of members. And with that, the teams we find are that are opting in to work on particular problems, on particular challenges of their choosing, are actually quite long-term. One year, year and a half, two years, sometimes even longer, because that's how they enjoy basically going through the motions of building through iterations, transformative new products. I guess it's managed, right? So you help the companies find the right team, right? It's not that they engage with uh, 10 teams negotiating and then decide what to pick. Uh, it's more like you actively selecting teams from the background and connecting them with customer requests. Am I right? So somewhere in between. The, the, the whole experience is designed to be very premium. What we found in many of the online work platforms is that they're very quickly becoming very commoditizing. Uh, because, you know, if you see in a search result, like, uh, you know, on Team, there'll never be a search of like, uh, show me React developers. And then you see like 300 pages and you're like, I'm one of those people. Like, that's not great. Instead, what we're doing is we've built the machinery, if you will, through their team graph data that knows how to identify the relevant cluster of people, enables them to choose to opt into this particular mission, either by bringing people that they work with before or people that, that the, the system believes that they would work well with and set their rates, and then it's market dynamics that, that apply. So the system is very much geared to give you that kind of premium experience that shows ultimately the right team for the particular challenge that's at hand. So you don't have to like browse around and go through search results and like those type of things. How persistent are these teams? So you, do you have kind of people that... Uh stick into a team for the long term or, or teams are always uh, dynamically set up by the platform? You really see both use cases. You see even a third use case, which is people that are coming in as a team already. They like working with one another. But um, typically, you know, teams, what's interesting about teams, and I mean, if you think about that, that unit of work, that's something that is dynamic. As, the, as a particular mission goes on, if you're building a particular product, momentum picks up. You need different types of experts, you need different types of people, and the ability to be ad hoc based on the need and evolve over time is really important to keep fine-tuning the team and make it the most effective for the particular stage of development. It could be, for example, that you start with exploration, where you don't actually know what you're building yet, you just have a, the beginning of an idea or of an opportunity, and you need a, an exploration team that will go and pick this up, figure out different prototypes, you know, test things with users. Then you have the, the larger execution, which typically becomes a larger team. And eventually you have certain levels of, of maintenance that have to be maintained. And for that, you have different templates and the teams essentially that, that come together, they can be either people who work with and they love seeking together and then complemented with additional people that can work well with them or kind of any use case in between, like anywhere in between on that spectrum of work with together or could work well with together. And it's kind of the exciting part is that you have this social experience of being able to find like your, your workmates, uh, the next work husband or work wife. And, and that's pretty rewarding, right? To find great people that you enjoy working with, but also to be able to work with people that you already know you like to work with. We find that that brings a certain level of, of a social experience that's pretty powerful 
as we try to rethink how work happens. That's extremely fascinating to me because forming teams is probably one of the key functions of the organization. So really, really looking forward into continuing this conversation. Rafael, do you have any insight about the kind of work that is a better match for a cloud-based team structure? What's the amount of complexity of the coupling among the tasks that would really work well what you are doing? And if there is anything else that maybe is not that a good fit? You know, one of our angel investors, the founder of MuleSoft, this guy, Ross Mason, told me something early on as we were getting started that uh, really stick with us. So, you know, at first, there's going to be a lot of questions about cloud-based teams, the same way that there were a lot of questions and concern about cloud computing. It's a new model. People don't exactly know what it is, and there's a lot of questions around it. But over time, you're going to see more and more companies using it. And then you'll reach that point where they surprise you in the way that they're using cloud-based teams. So I'm going to answer your question, but with that in mind, I must say that we constantly are surprised by in the ways that people are using cloud-based teams and and uh, and they're figuring out new and new and new and better ways to 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 use that new building block. Some of the classic use cases are the development of a new transformative products. You know, especially as we think about the market condition today, we are asked to do two things that are potentially conflicting. One is reducing costs and overhead because of the downward pressure of the market. But on the other end, valuations are not much harder to get to. So you got to build high margin products. So you have to build better, faster, yet spending less and being more flexible. So that's a core use case for A-Team. It's when you want to build new revenue streams or get closer to your customers. And that's where A-Teamers can really help. They form around existing teams or create new teams altogether with a market opportunity at hand, an outcome trying to drive with an existing product or a new one and they um, help build this up. Another type of use case is when there's a particular gap of expertise. Companies that are scaling in particular technical areas like video streaming or fintech, payments, et cetera, building certain types of infrastructure, that's where it's very powerful to bring some of the best experts. Because out of the 8,000, 7,000 to 8,000 people that are currently on the network, you see people that have extremely deep expertise in particular areas that have seen so many different environments and way of doing things it's extremely powerful to be able to bring the 10x type people to your teams. Um, that's a very powerful to help advance initiatives better and faster, but also very fun and useful for the rest of the team at the particular company that is working with an A team. It's great to see people that have a different background, that have different perspective, that have seen different things, in particular because the typical A teamers have trained that muscle of agility. They're, they're micro entrepreneurs of sorts that are taking the long set of, of diverse experiences versus the typical engineer or product manager that has spent you know, 10 years at Google, for example, that has seen really one way of thinking and one set of tools. I think the best example, frankly, for the use case of for some of what the A-teams can do is A-team itself. Because of course, A-team is built with A-teams. And the reason we could quadruple the size of the team in 11 months is because we're using A-teams for, for, to build A-team. So we have teams today from, that are building the core engine and team formation engine and all the team graph stuff that we talked about. We have teams building the, the customer side platform, the builder side platform. We have teams that are building the, the, the ledger behind it and the, and the financial and payment infrastructure. We have basically plenty of A-teams and every time we have, and the way we think about things is we have the overall goal that we're trying to accomplish, then we break it down into outcomes then each outcome is basically the question that you ask is, what is the right team for the job? And that team we form with a mix of full-time employees with A-teamers that are coming together that opt in to work on this particular problem and that want to see it through. Now, lastly, some of the things that surprise us with A-teams, we see companies that are using A-teams as red teams that are competing with themselves in a different way. For example, you see like older companies that are bringing A-teams to build a digitally native version of their company, sometimes even under a different domain name. It's kind of crazy to see that. I personally never thought of it. Or you see eight teams that are being brought on to figure out what the next features could be and do like dozens of prototypes to figure out where you're going next and what will work well. And we're still at the beginning to see how that works. We've worked with um, you know, 300 or so companies from early stage startups to Fortune 500. 
but we're, we're, we're still very much at the beginning as this is, as we know, an absolutely immense market. I can see a huge spectrum of possibilities here, some of them even emerging while you interact and support your, your clients. Uh, how do you guarantee that a team is a team? Do you also look into the interactions, uh, the relationships within a team, think about the decision-making, how decisions are made, or do you consider the team more as a black box, uh, as a something that can provide uh, some services to, to, to a client? Do you go inside or you just look at the, let's say, the team as a unit? So think of it this way. I think a good mental model for us is, is AWS. When cloud computing was picking up, it was weird and concerning. What do you mean? Like, can't even see my own servers and other people can run code on it and where, where are they even located? And I can't really manage them and go to them and, you know, plug in a, a cord to monitor it and things like that. And then um, AWS went on to build the level of instrumentation and transparency and visibility and tooling that far surpasses what you can have with even servers that are in your basement. And we were building essentially the same thing for teams, where every iteration, we're building more tooling to help the team to essentially track, monitor, manage, and optimize teams. So examples of that would be measuring the performance and the health of the team. There are cycles of team posts that are gathering data, um, both from ATMers about each other and about the stakeholders that they're working with. You have the ability to track cost and see the cost for certain uh, initiatives as a result, which provide a little bit of transparency that frankly, I don't have for full-time employees, but I do have with the ATMers working, working with us. And you constantly have this uh, system running in the background that analyzes what you know, potential burnout or peak capacity or underutilization. I also get reports that show me, okay, I currently have these three people one is at capacity, and here are additional people that could join this team that actually would do very well because they're exactly in your tech stack and they can work well with the people that you currently have the team. So with a couple of clicks, essentially, I can expand my team. This is the type of capabilities that could only be created by basically productizing teams, which is what we're constantly working on. And lastly, I say productizing team is something that for some reason is new. And when we started the company, we thought, okay, there's probably a bunch of companies doing that. Turns out there aren't. Um, I think it's because it's hard. But even today, we're, 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 but every day we're gathering more and more data and we're building more and more tooling. Part of it even has to do with the academia. We work with the matching director of future of work at HBS. We work with behavioral scientist Dan Ariely and Professor Dan Ariely. We work with Adam Grant. We actually have a research with Adam on team effectiveness and gel tests that we'll publish later on. Because suddenly we have all this data and all those use cases so we can get to understandings and, and optimization of teams that are very powerful, that have to do with the tooling, but also have to do with the onboarding and how they're set up and how communication is done and, uh, and how knowledge management is done. So it's really just the beginning. But I think, you know, it's interesting, 2023 with what's going into the market is going to push every company to think about efficiency. And this need of doing more with less is something that, that's on every company's mind from Tiny startups that are trying to fundraise to the CEO of Google and the leadership at Google. And that requires better tooling. That requires really thinking about teams, really, and thinking, okay, is that the right team? Is that working well? How can I move some costs from fixed to variable to increase efficiency? How can I bring expertise that I need to push things forward? How can I have leaner and, and more focused teams that can drive outcomes and back into, into ROI versus being functionally separated into departments. I think 2023 is going to be a big year for teams because that's where all the eyes are going to be focused on. That's really, to be honest, super exciting, you know, because it seems like um, a vision that we have been praising so much in the, in the past, that of uh, boundaryless organizations. Makes sense, you know, when, when you look into the thesis uh, behind uh, AT, so you know, this idea that... Uh, you know, you can leverage essentially on external teams in a way that uh, makes your organization very much uh, prone to scale faster and easier, right? You spoke about uh, hourly rates. So the idea that uh, you can plug a team inside an organization and pay the team by the hour. 
but which is what I what I got from your explanation, right? But normally, when you have teams as uh, inside uh, an organization, uh, they get uh, maybe salary, but they get also some other elements of uh, coherence. And say, for example, there is a certain accountability to certain KPIs. Uh, maybe you have uh, variable pay. The most advanced organizations at the moment, the ones that we are working on, for example, with our trio framework, uh, they also often share access to uh, equity of the product uh, being built. So I'm thinking about uh, what do you see in terms of uh, increasing uh, uh, the accountability and the coherence of the external teams? Because the, the problem I see is that uh, if you just think about you know, paying the hourly rate and then uh, letting uh, all the complexity of having an internal team uh, be, I would say, uh, into the catch-all of this hourly rate, the risk is that you're going to pay a lot of money this external team because uh, there is a lacking uh, integration of the team. So essentially, it's like uh, the, the fact that it lacks integration, you have to pay it in a high, much higher hourly rate. So I actually quite disagree with that. I think that there is a much higher level of accountability, in fact, with um, a contracting framework that is based on hourly rate, simply because you can be cut at any time if you're not worth what you're charging. So you actually have way more visibility into that. Like in order for me to pay the bills of the different A-teams that we use, I basically track and see what is being done, what is being worked on. With uh, full-time employment, it's a different, there's a level of abstraction that actually doesn't enable me to see that in a clear way. So that's one. Two, with mission-based work, with meaning outcome-driven uh, and, and kind of team charters, to accomplish an outcome, that's when you have the, the highest level of, of, of accountability because the question is, is this team, whether it's external, internal, A-teamers, full-time employee, doesn't matter to me. Is this team driving the results towards the outcome that we're trying to build towards? So for example, whatever, increasing monetization, increasing uh, uh, net revenue retention, increasing um, building an ability to, to, to charge and create value for customers in new revenue stream. When you structure work this way, that is basically empowering cross-functional teams to, to have high ownership over an outcome, then my question as a leader is very simple. Is this working? Do we still want this outcome? If the answer is no, I disband the team and I can do that quickly. Or if it's not working well, I can optimize the team and change things around. But I can constantly track how this is going versus that outcome. So in fact, there's much more accountability. Now, when you come in, now think about how the model works with A-teamers. These are people that have a lot of options. They're really, really good at what they do. They have a lot of options. Even in a tougher market, the most highly skilled have way more opportunities than they can possibly dedicate their time to. So we have this recommendation engine within the platform that learns what you would be interested in, who you would like to work with, and you help train it. So then you went into a mission and you work on this particular problem. When you integrate the organization, because you do integrate the organization, it's not a silo team that's outside the boundaries of the company, it becomes very much part of the company. You don't care about anything that is the typical organizational uh, politics and, and challenges of uh, you need to look good to get promotions, uh, you have to deal with all kinds of internal politics. Like All you're measured on is are you driving towards that outcome? So in fact, there's full dedication towards accomplishing something, which is very powerful. And the best companies, and I think when you talk about boundaryless organization, I agree with that, but that's why I wouldn't call those teams external. This works, and we encourage every company that we work with to integrate A-teamers into their full workflow and, and, work, and life cycle. So you see plenty of companies that are taking their A-teamers on offsites with them. They're very much part of the company, except they chose to work on a particular problem and a particular mission within that company and see it through. Does that make sense? Yeah, a lot. I mean, but what, what I meant when I asked the question is that when you transactionalize this relationship between a team and the organization, right, you make it transactional to some extent because it's a hourly rate. It's, as you said, you know, it's uh, something that you can cut at any point. There is no longer term commitment. It's more like a dynamic utility. Like, you know, you, you make this idea of cloud based teams and cloud is by definition the most utility pattern right it's something that is available everywhere 
it's cheap, it's easy to cut and so on. So it makes sense from a performance perspective. But uh, the point that I was raising is how do you increase the skin in the game, the external team you are, you are hiring? Uh, I, would, I would just say that cloud services typically are not cheap, but they're cost efficient. Like AWS is not cheaper than buying your own servers. It's just more cost efficient in, in certain use cases and, and enables you to do things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. That said, um, I very much agree with the skin in the game. I think it's very, very meaningful. We're just rolling out and piloting um, something called A-Team Reserve, where companies can, you know, after an initial period, essentially where both A-Teamers and the companies are getting to know each other and they figure out the momentum and, and they know, okay, I want to stick with this and this, this seems to be very valuable for me, where you can set up longer-term packages, essentially. So you can uh, set up six months, 12 months, et cetera. And as part of that, you can offset certain things with equity because there's no, nothing that prevents even the law to provide equity to contractors. And that's why a lot of companies end up doing. When you think about the transactional nature of employment, that is seeing the most radical transformation because for the longest time, the transaction, the social contract essentially with companies was I'm going to let you decide what I do, where I do it, who I do it with, and you're going, to, you're going to give me stability. That's typical employment. Now, this illusion of stability has been shattered. It's being shattered in May 2020 when COVID first started and companies thought that the world was ending and therefore they let go of everybody. And then a month later, they were like, oh, I guess the world is not ending. Please come back. And now again, people are getting laid off. So some people have been laid off twice or three times in two years. And if it's not them, it's their friends. Therefore, that illusion of stability is broken. And the employer-employee relationship is fundamentally disrupted. So basically, there's no real difference. Like when you think about an employee, especially in America, you can let them go right away. It's at-will employment. Contracting is exactly the same thing. Now, skin in the game is something, it's something powerful. And you see that companies are using that with A-teamers. And that's, that's really, really great. We are trying to mechanize this and make this easier to do. And it's something that people find very rewarding. But you know, a lot of people over the past couple of years have been burnt with promises of equity because there's this ultimate asymmetry of information where there's an employee or a contractor getting equity from a company, from the board of a company, technically. The board has access to the entirety of the information and how and the waterfall of capital and the decisions that of, of how we would be valued, essentially. And they give you those units and they basically tell you these units are worth like those big numbers. A lot of people found themselves holding the bag with on paper being millionaires and actually being underwater, especially now when valuation have been slashed. So we find that a lot of A-teamers, they really appreciate equity, but not as a full replacement of being paid for their work. But as a good bonus or, um, or skin in the game type of vehicle. So we certainly are looking to integrate that. And we're also looking to integrate more of the upside into the network of a team. And that's something that we're building up and we can talk about if you'd like. That's great, by the way, you know, because when I spoke about accountability, you can look into that uh, from the perspective of, you know, having this uh, pending uh, challenge of uh, always trying to justify your value. But you can also have it from the perspective, okay, I'm co-investing into this a little bit, right? I am putting some of my extra effort because I own some equity of what we're going to create together. When we speak about the team, we speak about a few people, I guess, right? We're talking about four, five, ten, I don't know, maybe this is something you can clarify. When we look into how organizations uh, structure sometimes their divisions, let's say, uh, that are normally connected with a product. There is a system of teams that they normally leverage on. So, for example, you know, if you think about uh, the emerging patterns from the, the DevOps community, you always have stream-aligned teams, and then you have platform teams, and maybe you have, uh, you know, kind of support teams. When you think about, uh, uh, I don't know, for example, I was talking to Casey Winters a few weeks ago, and he made the point that uh, Sometimes you uh, organize a team around, you know, core work, innovation, uh, technical scalability. So there is a diversity of teams that normally, uh, I would say, are distributed across templates that uh, allow you to ship the product. And somehow, you know, Conway's law tells us that uh, you ship your org chart 
So when, when, for example, an organization hires teams to ship a new product, I guess it's a system of teams that they need to set up, not just uh, one team. Or maybe the, the one team works for a few weeks or months, and then you suddenly hit this uh, kind of barrier, and you need to scale up by specializing teams into a system. You also spoke about network of teams, that you are looking into this uh, idea of creating network effects. So maybe these two things can also be connected. Are you seeing something like that? Or are you looking into creating some kind of superstructure on top of just hiring a small team? So first of all, on the organizational models. Uh, and by the way, we're big fans of Cassie Winters. Um, and the founders of Eventbrite are um, Joel and Kevin are, are angel investors in, in A-Team as well and, and great mentors of ours. But when we think about the, the, there's this incredible transformation of structures of companies. It used to be in the past that People thought of, leaders thought of their companies as departments and headcount. So essentially, you would come up with a spreadsheet of the people you need, and you would fill the, those, those ranks, and you would have projects and tasks, and you would try to map out project and task with the current workforce. Then you would say, okay, um, every now and then you have to do adjustments, so you would let go of people. That's somewhat how most companies used to work. Now, this is fine if you're doing commoditized work, but this actually doesn't work for where you need the top talent to really frame their motivation, bring their motivation into goals to be accomplished and the, the deliveries to be done. And you see forward-thinking companies that are thinking more and more in terms of initiatives and outcomes. And therefore, they ask themselves the most important question, which is, what are the right teams to accomplish those outcomes? And when you start thinking that way, the framework of internal versus external it doesn't really apply anymore. The question is, do you have the right team for the job, yes or no? And that basically brings power to teams that are empowered to own a particular objective that has in itself an ROI. That means that the teams are cross-functional, could have the right skill set from design, marketing, product development, product management, etc., in order to deliver on an outcome. That means that budgeting outcomes become much easier, tracking the efficiency becomes much easier. And that's where we come in. That's where we can really plug into that framework. So we see that transformation being very interesting. And also, frankly, it's basically the best way to attract and retain talent, whether it's for full-time employee or part-time, it doesn't matter. And the reason for that is, look, if you hire me into your 600-people company as an engineer, I frankly do not care to be, it's not very appealing to me to be engineer number 230. However, I will care much more into joining and opting into a particular mission that you're working on, particular outcome you're trying to drive. And yeah, I like the company as a whole, but I really care about solving this problem with these people. That's where people opting in actually are retained much longer because they're here to something that they care about. So that's on the structure of companies, and we see that, and I think we're going to see much more of that as companies are challenged to move faster with much more efficiency. So that's on organizational structures. Now, in terms of how there's a meta structure to the A-Team network, that's quite interesting. So yes, we have started the company focusing on bringing this new resource into the world of cloud-based teams. But what's powering this whole thing is a network. We call it the team-driven network. Our mental model for this is basically building the utopia for builders. Now, who are the builders? Of course, there are people with a craft that join the network as uh, independent builders, but also the builders at companies that work with A-teams. They're no less builders. And in a way, we're trying to create this environment where the best builders get to team up with one another to build the most meaningful things being built right now. And that is why we curate both the companies coming onto the network and the A-teamers coming onto the network. And we're trying to create those dynamics that enables them to team up effectively. Over time, what we're really after is making the A-Team network as the best place for the best builders. That place that when you're a part of, and a lot of people aspire to be a part of it, but once you're a part of it, you get to work on the most interesting things with the best people. And for that, we create community for us is really significant. We spend a lot of effort trying to build up communities, both in a localized way, in different, you know, we have people in dozens of countries and we have gatherings in every major city, essentially. But we also have micro-communities around particular topics of expertise with some of the leaders in that space, whether it's based on industries or a set of expertise. So that you find yourself in something that actually looks like being part of a company, 
that brings the benefits of being a part of a company with the benefit of, of being independent. It's like inkling into creating a huge uh, network-based consulting company that doesn't provide you salary, but uh, provides you an enabling environment so that you as a team can connect it with the best work uh, that comes from, from the side of customers, right? It's more like a, a sort of managed marketplace that uh, provides you the, the benefits of being part of a company or at least part of them uh, with the, together the independence to choose your mission and not to just be told what work to do. That's the idea, right? In a way, I would, I would think of it more as, um, as a curated network. And I think when you think about companies, companies start to look more and more like networks as they scale. And the way governance work with networks often is to bring power to the edges, which in this case are teams. The way that there's value in a network, not just for, you know, the, so the edges are, say, doing a particular type of work that they find interesting uh, with builders from companies, with builders from, from with A-teamers, but also benefit from the value and the support from the wider network. And the network provides you essentially the benefits and status and support systems, both socially and professionally, that enables you to thrive. I think it's even hard to, to name it and label it at this stage. I think it's an ongoing experiment from you know, the, futures of, the future of networks and organizations. And that's something that we're building, not by ourselves, we're building with a network on an ongoing basis. So we have those recurring calls with different A-teamers that are helping us shape what, how a network would enable them to do the best work of their career, where their favorite people, earning well doing so with full autonomy, enabling them to grow as professionals and grow their wealth by, bringing the, by building what's next. The big gap, by the way, to make that happen, like the big thing for us to solve is how do you share the upside into the network? Essentially, ATMers are not mere users of the platform. They are members and they're partners of it. Now, people get really passionate about shaping the future of work that they want to be a part of. So in a way, we benefit from, from that tremendously. And sharing the upside is really significant for this. And we started building mechanism to do so, but there's still a lot of questions on how to make that work in a compliant and scalable way, but we're very much on it. Rafael, can you tell us a bit more about the upsides? You know, we are very much into being having skin in the game, uh, having employees no longer acting as employees, but more as entrepreneurs, uh, both in terms of risks and terms of rewards. And we see lots of interest in letting people self-express, let's say, and benefit also from it. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, your thinking, what you are envisioning in this space? I've had the, the, the opportunity to work a lot in, in, in crypto, actually, for the past many years. And that, to me, I found fascinating because that enables to create and empower networks to align incentives. And when you think about coordination between people, and that's what's fundamentally around teams, it's like by yourself, there's not much you can do. But if you can get organized with different groups of people, you can generate value that is exponential. So. Of course, been looking into that a lot, and I think that the future of work is an excellent use case for this. So we've been looking at some of the learnings from the, the paradigms in, in blockchain and, and crypto and applying them in the very first principle basis. So for us, first and foremost, it's about capturing the value being created by the members of the network. And that's what we started rolling out. In, inside the platform, you can see how much value you're creating for the network by way of bringing ATMers that are working with with uh, on different A teams or bringing companies that are working with A team, and you can see people that very much stand out and actually work hard to actually building value, and we capture that value and can quantify it. Then another part of this, as you start seeing people that are more active and that are really contributing a lot, at very much so as as uh, very much like partners, is to bring them into the governance of the network. So we're building this A leader group of people that are, um, that are contributing a lot of value. And we're working with them and asking them, okay, how can we provide more value? How can we, what should be the future of the community, of the network, of the company? What should we be doing? In fact, we had a bunch of A-teamers participate in our Series A uh, individually, which was pretty cool to see. And more people that are asking us to do that. 
So then now the question is, now that we capture the value that is being created by ATMers, our goal, and that's always been our goal since day one, is to be able to translate that value creation into a share of the upside of the network. Now, technically speaking, how to do it? It's a question. Sure, we can go and think about the, a lot of the crypto models. I actually tend to think they're not very established yet. They haven't really pr been proven. So we're really trying to go at it in very uh, kind of in baby steps and really kind of thinking about the fundamentals here. And that's what we're working on with the community. So we're working with ATMers and trying to figure out how to build this up. And uh, ultimately, we will find a solution to do so. And the goal is very simple, is that you gain status and reward into the upside being created by the value that you bring to the network. That's great. It's really interesting. And uh, on this podcast, we had uh, uh, twice uh, the team at Brain Trust, for example, that uh, I, I believe you will know very well, and they are probably pioneering um, the ways that you can engage your community into essentially taking uh, part in the governance and, and shaping the, the platform. Uh, so really uh, encourage you to go that direction and really curious to see how you manage to do that. Uh, also, you know, considering your history of uh, capital you raised and kind of the promises you made to investors, so it's going to be very, very, very interesting. This was a very enlightening conversation around the directions where the future of organizing can go and how, you know, clearly a testament to the uh, increasing uh, role uh, and capability that teams are obtaining, right, from this unbundling of the typically the Fordist bundle that uh, kept uh, industrial organizations together for, for most of the last century. So it's really, really interesting to see how essentially also software infusing organization is creating di different patterns, a totally new ways to look into the organization. So maybe as a, as a closing uh, reflection, you spoke about this a lot, but maybe saying a bit more of what people can expect from A-Team in the coming uh, weeks and months, maybe new research coming up or new features or new directions. And also after that, if you can add a couple of breadcrumbs, right? Yeah. So what's, uh, in terms of what's coming up, we just soft launched the CXO network. Um, so it's a.team slash CXO dash network, which is pretty fun because we're seeing more and more senior executives that are, that are distinguished in their expertise in a particular field and in their ability to form teams behind them and lead teams that are joining the A-Team network and that are looking for real interesting challenges. So they're coming into companies and trying to help them translate vision into action, into the teams that can actually build those things. And so that's something cool to check out. Um, I think this is, you know, we're already seeing like this is transforming companies essentially in ways that were never available before. Um, and it's the type of expertise that is perfect to come in at a particular time. You know, we, we use the analogy of Ocean's Eleven, that when you do, when you do a, a casino heist, right, you bring like Danny Ocean and it'll bring like the rest of the team or Sandra Bullock, even better. Uh, this is essentially the same for, for software, hardware, and product development. And in terms of breadcrumb, I think that, you know, I used to think that um, it was very helpful for people to learn to code because it gives a framework to understand the world around us and to modify it and to improve it. But actually, one of our dearest investors and advisors, Adam Grant, wrote a book called Think Again that uh, urges us to use the scientific method instead of blindly holding on to what we think is true and beliefs um, that are actually not based on facts. And I think this read is absolutely critical at a time like this where we've never seen so much disruption. And clearly, we, it, we're in a time of extreme pace of change and requires for all of us to rethink the assumptions and to apply the scientific method to the facts that are at our disposal. I think companies right now are transforming because they have to. We've been talking about doing that for a while um, and we knew that the models were broken, but we kind of, it was okay to ignore it. Now with the waves that we've just been through and the waves that are coming, namely COVID and great resignation and quite quitting and now this unbelievable market uh, pressure, it's really time to rethink the future of organizations and how to do more with less. And that requires uh, to think again, everything that we felt was um, 
was uh, taken for granted. And similarly, as the future of work is unfolding in front of us, now we have many questions that are rethinking what was so clear to our parents, right? That job, like full-time employment was synonym with safety. We realize it's no longer the case. We also realize that the ability to choose what we work on and who we work with is extremely meaningful for our own fulfillment, particularly if we can afford it because we have certain skills that can generate real significant results and value in, in the world. And for organization to think about how to thrive despite, this, despite the fact that the only certainty today is really uncertainty. But, uh, but reading this and thinking about that makes me actually very optimistic because we have what it takes, all of us, to adapt and evolve and make the changes required to go into the deeper truths and to rethink our models in ways that we can build what's next. And when everything looks crazy and uncertain and weird and challenging and upsetting at times, the best thing we can do is to team up and build things. If I can add one thing, you know, uh, I really urge people to go to the, to the website and check your 2022 tech work uh, report. It's also very informative and uh, gives a lot of uh, overview of the trends you, you spoke about, uh, at, you know, in the closure and during the, the podcast, in, the conversation in general. I mean, again, don't want to add again how, how great was this conversation challenging at the same time uh, meaningful and at the same time practical uh, the thesis and the mission behind the A-Team seems to me uh, so I really encourage people to catch up with your work with your company uh, companies to evaluate possibly uh, asking for your help and finding teams to be added to their structures there's a lot of resonance between the work you're doing and the work we are doing so I'm really thankful for, for the chat uh, I hope you also enjoyed that yeah, very much so. Very much so. Big fan of your work. And uh, maybe we should have you uh, write some stuff on... We, we, we're building this um, real interesting blog called Mission at a.team slash mission. And I think we have a lot of very similar ideas. Um, right. So maybe we should talk about that soon. But thank you so much. This was a fascinating conversation for me as well. Why not? Why not? Emanuele, thank you so much for your insights, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Really a pleasure. And uh, yeah, for our listeners, I really uh, encourage you to go to the website, boundaries.io slash resources slash podcast, where you will find this episode with Raphael. And uh, um, of course, uh, uh, don't forget to always think boundaryless. I was actually a bit disappointed to have missed uh, this episode with uh, with Rafael. Very cool. Uh, I liked how he explained, you know, his thesis in terms of building solutions and now gathering builders uh, to really delivering value. And um, I almost felt like I should pick up his breadcrumb and and learn some coding. Yeah, very much in line with uh, what we praise, basically, right? This idea of having uh, uh, outcomes and promises and, you know, rates uh, governing the relationship between teams. It's really going the direction we are going with our research when we speak about contract-based boundaryless organizations. Looks uh, really interesting.